The following KOPN podcast is made possible by the generous donations from listeners like you. Please consider a donation to listener-supported community radio, KOPN. You can donate securely online at kopn.org. Thank you. Hi, welcome to Food Sleuth Radio, where we help you think beyond your plate. I'm Melinda Hemmelgarn, a registered dietitian and investigative nutritionist on a mission to connect the dots between food, health, and agriculture and find food truth. And today I'm honored to welcome my guest, Dr. Gladys Zanotti. She is director of the Rodale Institute's Vegetable Systems Trial, which for decades has been investigating the impact of management practices on vegetable nutrient quality and soil health in a long-term side-by-side comparison of organic and conventional cropping practices. Dr. Zanotti has 26 years' experience and holds undergraduate degrees in general agriculture and agriculture engineering. She also holds an MS in horticulture from the American University of Beirut and a PhD in soil fertility from Michigan State University. Welcome, Dr. Zanotti. Thank you. Well, I happened to see a webinar that you hosted about the vegetable systems trial and how agricultural practices truly impact the nutritional quality of our food. And as a registered dietitian, I am very much interested in this aspect. I'm curious to know, though, how you became interested in agriculture. Well, Linda, I am a person who loves nature. And since my childhood, I was like always looking into playing with soil and insects and butterflies and looking into how nature grows, trees and stuff like that. So I am not an indoor person. I am an outdoor person. And so since my childhood, I believe that there is something I can do for this globe. And still there in my uh, belief that I can contribute as an individual to the better thing that we can do for our societies and to our environment. So my interest started when I was very young, and then it grew with me when I went to the university where I started working on getting my degrees in horticulture. And then suddenly it occurred to me that I'm missing a point here. What is it? It is the soil. And so when I came to United States at Michigan State University, my PhD was focused on soil science and soil nutrition and fertility. And that's more and more I'm getting into it, and I am amazing how I can connect the agriculture production to the soil and the upper biomass and the plant production, plant growth to the soil that it is growing into it. Mm, It is fascinating. And this whole area of soil health has been so lacking from dietitians' education. And you'd think that we would study how food is grown, but we start with the food itself and we look at how food influences human health and disease. But I feel like by partnering with soil scientists, we can be much better educators about how to grow our food and how to choose our food so that we do stave off some of these chronic diseases. And in that webinar that you did in November of 2019, and I know there's an update on November 5th of 2020, and we'll provide a link for our listeners for that, but you showed how the nutritional content of plant foods 
has really been declining over the decades. And you point to our agricultural practices as part of the problem. Can you talk about that? Absolutely. Linda, it is, before we go in detail in that, I want to acknowledge that over the years, we only care about where we go to which supermarket and get our food. And that's it. We never get educated. And I, I have seen many cases where people, they don't know how each crop is grown and what does it take and what is it important for their food. Because we are used here to have fast food. We are used to have all kinds of produce that it doesn't matter how it is produced. But in my webinar, when I talked about how soil could be important and how nutrition has changed, i give you an example, meaning that in the webinar, I hinted about how the vegetable nutrients and fruits have changed, meaning they become less nutritive. For example, in 1950, when there was a study that they compared vegetables and fruits and they looked at different minerals, they compared the same fruits and vegetables in 2009, and they found that in 1999, absolutely, and then they found that many of these minerals have changed. Example, calcium decreased, phosphorus decreased, iron decreased, vitamin C decreased, proteins decreased. And all these related not only to the genetics and the breeding that the breeders have been doing, but also to the practices that the growers have been using. Over the past few years, meaning decades in that case, we have this industrialization of agriculture, meaning using different equipment, heavy equipment, tillage, and so forth. All that really impacted how much the soil is healthy because the more you break down the soil aggregates, the more that you have less carbon sequestered, meaning less carbon into the soil, because every time you till your soil, you turn the soil upside down, it is helping the carbon to release. And where is it going? It's going to the air, to the environment that it's becoming carbon dioxide. And we have seen those carbon dioxide evidences that between 2014 and, in fact, 2020 have increased tremendously. I'll give you an example. Carbon dioxide that was in 2014 about 397 parts per million carbon dioxide. Now in 2020, we became 416 parts per million. There is a lot of an increase that is going to affect the health, the human being, the animals, everything on earth. It is showing that in climate change. But come back to your question where it is how the practices could affect Yes, the practices will affect because the more you have damage to the soil by putting more pesticides, putting herbicides, putting tillage in it, you are really degrading the quality of the soil. You are impacting, in fact, the microorganisms in the soil. And that really have an impact on how these microorganisms in the soil that are our allies, I consider them, because they are the ones who are evidently working hard to get all these nutrients back to the crop itself. But once we put all these barriers, pesticides, herbicides, and anything that really tilling the soil is really going to make a big difference. I can give you some examples if that's something interests you. 
in this case. I'm interested in examples, but I need to just talk about the soil disruption for a moment and the herbicide relationship, because I find this to be such a critical topic, as well as the climate change. I'm so glad you brought that up. I think that agriculture, like you, is a key to reversing some of the climate change and the damage that we've been experiencing. But when I talk to conventional farmers who have gone to a no-till system, they use Roundup as a way to knock down weeds so that they don't have to till. But the organic research that we've seen at Rodale and your work has shown that by applying herbicides in that no-till system, we're destroying the microorganisms in the soil that would lead to healthier crops and healthier humans. So how do we have the best of both worlds? How do we do no-till agriculture without the use of herbicides? That's a very good question, Linda, and I'm glad that you asked that because this is our opportunity to provide information and educate our audience about how it is really effective, this glyphosate, the Roundup herbicide, for example. Roundup herbicide, it is a herbicide that has been used in the conventional systems, and the active ingredient is called glyphosate. And according to U.S. EPA, they say, well, if you use it at a regulatory level, which is about 1.75 microgram per kilogram of body weight, there would be no issues for you. But it has been shown studies that even with showing the glyphosate applied, they have seen a lot of escalated levels in the human bloodstream that it went beyond 1,000% in the past two decades. Mm. which means in this case that any time you are using this glyphosate, the Roundup herbicide, is going to keep residues there and it's going to affect the microorganisms. So the microorganisms, this is a herbicide, right? And mm -hmm. so it is affecting the plant and it's affecting the microorganisms that are working around that plant. Same with pesticides that are very effective on fungicides, let's say, on mycorrhizae. Mycorrhizae, it is known to be the root fungus that works symbiotically with the roots of the plant. So what happens, this mycorrhizae is our friend. It's coming to shuttle the water, it shuttles the phosphorus, the zinc, the copper, the nitrogen to the plant. These are important elements to the plant. And so when we get that produce that has all these nutrients, meaning it is a nutrient dense. However, when we go into the conventional system that uses the synthetic fertilizers, uses the fertilizers that has no organic in it, this nitrogen that it is there, it is soluble and easily available. That's good. But what does it do to the microorganisms, specifically for mycorrhizae? It will tell them, sit down, do your work alone, we don't need you. So the microorganisms, the mycorrhizae, stop working, they are sitting there because they don't have a job to do, because their job is that they take carbon from the root and they shuttle the nitrogen, they shuttle the phosphorus and the zinc and the copper. And so when there is their food for the plant, the plant say, well, I don't need you anymore. Mm -hmm. So they will sit aside, not doing their job. But they are getting the nitrogen, but they are not getting the most important elements other than that. So 
What happens mycorrhizae, it is protecting the root. It is protecting the aggregate. What they do, they produce glomalin. They produce a sticky material that really helps all the soil to, to be together. And so whenever you are not putting that glue, meaning that the aggregates will be damaged, they will be fractured. And so this is a lot of impact on the soil health and the crop itself. So there was another part of your question. Yes. You can remind me about it. Absolutely. So we know that not tilling is beneficial. We know that not putting glyphosate on the soil is extremely beneficial to the microorganisms in the soil. How can we do no-till farming without the glyphosate? Yes, and to answer your second part of your question, which is how can we do no-till farming without use of glyphosate? Correct. Pretty easy. If we go back to nature, the nature was saying, okay, we have animals, we have manure, we have cover crops. So the system is that how we do no-till. You first need to build your soil, the manure, the compost, the recycling of things that you have on your farm, you put it back. That builds your carbon. Now, using your cover crop, which also the conventions are using it, but in this case, instead of tilling it, instead of even, you don't need to do tilling. Let's say your uh, convention say, well, I am doing no-till and I am still doing conventional and I'm using herbicide. Yes, I can do it in the organic same without using herbicide. How? I would do what we call it roll crimping of the cover crop. The rolling crimping of the cover crop is very important because you can, at a certain stage of the growth in the spring of that cover crop, you can roll it, crimp it, meaning every time you, you roll with the roller crimper, it will crimp that vegetative system and it will make it as a mat. So you build a mat of biomass over the soil as a protective layer and then you grow into it your vegetables. And so this is a system that really helps the soil microorganisms to continue working on the roots, to continue working without damage, without degradation, to continue putting that glue that holds all the aggregates together. It really provides even moisture during the time when we don't have enough rain because that moisture is staying there without going anywhere and evaporating to the area where when you don't have anything to cover the soil. So how we do it? By using systems that really applies to using rolling crimping. Other systems, you could grow anything there without tilling by mowing that cover crop and plant into it, and you can put also straw. You can put leaf mulch. All these things can be done without using tillage and you without using the herbicide. That's excellent. We need to take a break because we're halfway through, and I just need to remind our listeners that if you're just joining us, you're tuned into Food Sleuth Radio. We are speaking with Dr. Gladys Zanotti. She is director of the Rodale Institute's Vegetable Systems Trial. I saw her excellent webinar last year. It was about how we produce our food matters in terms of nutritional quality, nutrient density, and ultimately human health. Dr. Zanotti, I think that the research that is going on at Rodale with regard to how we are producing crops without damaging chemicals is so critical. 
Where do farmers or new young farmers learn these techniques? Are these techniques being taught at our land grant colleges? These techniques are now taught on at different levels at different places. For example, starting with Rodale Institute, we have programs here where we get interns that they come here for a full year and they learn about all these practices from A to Z for every type of crop. We have also programs for the veterans who are coming back from war. They are registering into classes that they learn about these practices. We have also shown and seen in other land-grant universities where now they are doing projects and they are doing experiments in the field and the greenhouse looking into the impact of using herbicides and the impact of tillage. So the new generation of students are learning that. The new generation of or the young farmers are learning that by coming to our field days. They can go to field days at different universities. They are also looking into webinars, like we were talking about last year. I put a webinar talking about that. They are learning about those things because I am showing the equipment we are using. We are showing the the strategies that we start with, how we plant, how we roll, how we transplant, and the nutrients comes out of it. So there are different ways, even with the web articles that we write on our website. Every time we have finding something really interesting, we put it in a way that any grower, young or who is already into growing things for 50 years, they will learn something new. That's fantastic. Well, I will make sure, again, that we have a link to your website so people can learn more about this. As a dietitian, I get really excited about the nutritional qualities and the differences in the organic versus the chemical models. And I am amazed. Some of the information that you presented in your webinar, for example, you were looking at potatoes, lettuce, green beans, cucumbers, winter squash. And you were talking about the different nutrients that are higher in the organic system. Vitamin C, for example, the anthocyanins. And these compounds, it's so interesting because they benefit the plant and then they also benefit humans. Yes. We have started an experiment on the potato, colored potato, because we have seen that not all systems could be helping us to learn about whether we are getting the most nutrient-dense crops. And so I'll give you an example how we started this. In 2017, I did an experiment on winter squash. And so what I did, I was looking into the grower that he always uses tillage. And I said, okay, can we grow winter squash, your system, the standard system of tilling, and I can grow it without tilling by using roller crimper. And I assessed that by a large roller crimper versus what we call a one-person drive, call it BCF. It is a two-feet-wide roller crimper because there is a cost in any of these equipment. Sure. So if a person wants to start with a small fund and new to the system, they can start with the one that it is the BCS and they don't need to get a tractor. It is just the BCS you can roll with it and you, you don't have an excuse to tell me that you cannot do a no-till. There is a way. So the manufacturers have been looking into how helping the new farmers and people who have lower funds, they cannot start immediately with bigger funds. 
So I was comparing that, and to my amazement, I didn't expect that, but I was storing the winter squash, and I stored it for zero days, 30, and 60 days. And the reason, because I asked the grower why you are growing it and harvesting it late in till August, September, he said, because everything stops by that time. You put your cover crop and you go home, but I need, he is a community share, and he has about 200 members. He said, I need some income. So I use this, and I store it, and then I sell it. I said, that's really interesting. And that clicked into my mind. I said, okay, what about the nutrients? Would they stay the same? He said, well, I don't know. It would be really interesting to try. And so in that case, we did the experiment together, and to my amazement, it was one of my surprises that after 60 days, we have found that the winter squash that has been grown in reduced cell, they have increased in the alpha-carotene and lutein, which are these are two compounds of the carotenoids, and then increased in phosphorus and calcium. Whereas the grower standard system, from the beginning at a harvest, it was really high, but at the end, after 60 days, it declined. So meaning what it tells you that the nutrients that they came through the reduced cell, they are to help the storage quality of the winter squash wow. while it is storing there. Oh, that's and fascinating. And so that was really amazing. And this is all organic. And so from here, we start looking into more to look into potato. We wanted to look into winter squash again, and we wanted to see other crops as we go. Now we are looking into sweet corn in the future. So these are news to us, which is really important. Yes, in the same system, you could say organic or conventional, you can tell or not tell, but the quality, the density of nutrients will be totally different. Yeah. And that's where we were looking into. I was also fascinated by one of the compounds that you were looking at, cumeric. You said that it modifies the gut microorganisms. And so I just feel like this comes full circle. We look at soil quality through our agricultural practices or impacted through agricultural practices. We look at the nutrient density and the nutritional quality of the food. And then we look how those individual nutrients then impact our own gut microbiota, making us either healthy or not. And so I feel like it's so important for us to know about the research that you're doing. Yes. In fact, mentioning about peak humeric, this is an experiment we did over two years on cucumber. And where I was looking into a system in the organic system where I would not use at all any pesticides, even if it is organic. I don't believe in pesticides. So what I did, I used a system where I said, okay, could I use the beneficial insects that are already found in nature to help me, to be my allies, to help me in combating the cucumber beetle that has been eating cucumbers and transmitting diseases to the uh, cucumber. So I went back to nature. I used a system called insectary strips of flowers, and I used them to make sure that they attract a diverse communities and insects that they are called beneficial insects. In that case, what I was looking into in the systems 
about nutrients such as polyphenols. So I did with plastic, tilled with plastic, like the standard growing system, and reduced till by rolling, crimping the cover crop. And to my amazement, again, I found that pucurcumeric, which is a polyphenol, is higher in the reduced till, in the rolled crimp system, than in the plastic. Mm. So it is really important to know how we are growing our crops, how we are providing better nutrients, like this polyphenol is really important because it is antioxidant, it is antimicrobial, meaning that if we ingest more of it, it is an antioxidant. Any radicals that are in our bodies during the day due to stress, low sleep, due to the environment, air environment that is affecting us, these polyphenols, these antioxidants will capture those radicals and take them away. So if I am not having a crop that it is rich in these polyphenols, antioxidants, then I am just eating, ingesting, filling my tummy, but I'm not helping my gut microorganisms, the microorganisms that the, we call them the microbiomes that really help in capturing these essences. It's so fascinating. Such great research. Dr. Zanotti, we just have a few minutes left, and I wanted to give you a chance to mention anything that I may have skipped over in your research that you would like to bring forth to our listeners. In fact, we covered a big chunk of information, but what we need to summarize and bring to attention of our audience and our people, the new generation, that they need to look into how they protect their environment, how they can improve the soil itself, our farmers, how they can reduce the degradation by using a better practice of less tillage, and how we can remove any pollutants, including the pesticides, herbicides, into our system, using more of recycled materials such as compost because it is full of microorganisms, it is full of organic material that really helps to keep the moisture, and it is a source of carbon for keeping the carbon cycle into the soil. All these microorganisms that are already there in the soil are really important and key source for healthy intestinal microbiome of humans as well as animals. And as we go more and more, if we can understand how soil is really infiltrating any pollutants, recycling the nutrients, and it is a food security, we are better off as a society. Absolutely. I want to thank you so much for your research. And I will, again, bring people to your website. It's at therodaleinstitute.org. I will also have a link to your excellent webinar in which you described the vegetable systems trial. And that was from November 2019. And just remind our listeners that on November 5th of 2020, there will be another update in that webinar. I love the way you speak about insects and bringing more biodiversity to the farm and how ultimately protecting the environment protects us. So in closing, I want to thank our listeners for joining us. I want to remind everyone that Food Sleuth Radio is produced by Dan Hemmelgarn at KOPN Studios in beautiful downtown Columbia, Missouri. And most of all, I want to thank my guest, Dr. Gladys Zanotti. 
director of the Rodale Institute's Vegetable Systems Trial, which for decades has been investigating the impact of management practices on vegetable nutrient quality and soil health in long-term side-by-side comparison of organic and conventional cropping practices. Thank you so much, Dr. Zanotti. You're welcome.